Today is Wednesday, December 6, 2023, and this is this week's weekly refresh. Isaiah makes a strong statement about the nature of God in Isaiah 40, 17, when he says, All the nations are as nothing before him. They are counted by him as less than nothing and emptiness. Those words can sound almost unloving, as if God doesn't care about his creation or any people, as if we are worthless and meaningless. Yet when we put this verse in context, we see there's a bigger idea that Isaiah is conveying to us. And that idea is about the absolute, total, and unimaginable supremacy and grandeur of God. Six verses earlier, Isaiah tells us about the compassionate love of God for his people. He writes, He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. That's Isaiah 40, 11. Before Isaiah dives into the unfathomable nature of God's sovereign supremacy, he first leads us there with these words of God's gentle, compassionate, and loving nature. It is as if these words temper our souls before he launches into the divine depths of God's transcendent nature, so that as we hear about God's supreme rule over all of creation, we carry with us the assurance and confidence that this God who reigns over all and makes nations into dust, is the same God who cares deeply for our souls and tends to our needs and desires. So, Isaiah takes us down the path of God's grandeur and supremacy in Isaiah 40, verses 12 through 14, and says, Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with a span, enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance? Who has measured the spirit of the Lord, or what man shows him his counsel? Who did he consult, and who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice, and taught him knowledge, and showed him the way of understanding? The obvious answer to these rhetorical questions is the Lord himself. Isaiah is conveying to us the vast chasm between our God the Creator and the creation itself. Though we are made in his image and likeness, we are nothing like him in so many ways. He created us with much of his character and nature, so we share in many of his attributes. We call these communicable attributes, those characteristics that God has in himself and puts in us as well. Just as God is loving, so also we love. Just as God has knowledge, so also we have knowledge. Just as God is faithful, so also we can be faithful. God also has attributes that he does not share with us, that he alone contains, and we call these incommunicable attributes. He is all-knowing, all-present, and all-powerful. And we are none of those things. He is perfect, and we are not. He is sovereign, and we are not. Another way of saying this is, all that we are is in God, but all of God is not in us. So what we have here are ways in which we are like God and ways in which we are not. By having attributes from God that are like God, we're able to be objects of his love. Yet we are constantly reminded in scripture that though we are like God in many ways, he's so much greater than us in both his communicable and incommunicable attributes. That is why Isaiah is trying, that is what Isaiah is trying to teach us, that though his, this loving embrace That though this loving God embraces us with compassion and love, that's verse 11, we must not veer into arrogance that makes us believe, as Lucifer did, that in our God-likeness, 
we are greater than him or even close to him in nature. Therefore, we get these biblical reminders of the unspannable gap between the nature of God and the nature of his creation. Isaiah communicates that gap between God and all of creation in verses 15 through 17. Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are counted as the dust on the scales. Behold, he takes up the coastlands like fine dust. Lebanon would not suffice for fuel, nor are its beasts enough for a burnt offering. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are counted by him as less than nothing and emptiness. In the previous chapter, Israel's king, or Judah's king, Hezekiah, welcomed the Babylonians in and showed them everything in his house, revealing all his treasure and all his secrets, thinking they were good and trustworthy. Yet Isaiah then asks Hezekiah about this, and when he hears what Hezekiah has done, Isaiah prophesies of the, uh, prophesies of the incoming doom for Israel, that Babylon will come and destroy Jerusalem and the temple. Isaiah doesn't tell Hezekiah all those details, but he does prophesy doom for Jerusalem and tells Hezekiah that the people will be taken into captivity. Due to this upcoming tragedy, Israel needs some assurance from the Lord. This will be Israel's greatest destruction to date, and Isaiah provides some warnings and some encouragement. Given this incoming doom, Isaiah writes all the texts we just covered to convey to God's people two things. One, God will secure his people, embrace them in love by his grace, and provide security, safety, and promises for the future. Before that happens, the people will suffer at the hands of the Babylonians, but during their suffering, they will have these words from Isaiah as encouragement and strength to endure, with a promise from God to restore his people one day. The second thing God conveys to his people in Isaiah 40 is that though Babylon will feel to them like an onslaught of power, strength, terror, and destruction, the nations are God's. Their God is greater than Babylon, and God reminds his people that even the overwhelming power of Babylon is in God's hands, and they are like sand and dust to him. So, when Isaiah tells us that the nations are nothing before him, that they are accounted by him as less than nothing and emptiness, that is not God's disregard for people to call them worthless and meaningless. Rather, that is God's assurance and promise to Judah that the nations that consume them are in the hands of God. So this serves as an encouragement to God's people that God is sovereignly working out his perfect will for his people and that the nation that is oppressing them lies in the hands of their own God who rules all. Then, amongst all of these promises of Judah's destruction and captivity by the Babylonians and with God's insurance that this is his sovereign will and with the confidence that the oppressing nations are ruled by God's sovereignty, how should the people respond? Worship. But that has been the problem all along. God's people worship idols. So Isaiah says in verses 18 through 19, To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness compare with him? An idol. The worship of idols has been a burden for God for far too long. Hence the incoming evil of Babylon from the Lord as he answers the evil of Israel with the evil of Babylon. 
This is another reason why Isaiah has written about the supreme and grand nature of God to hold all of creation in his hand like dust, because the people are worshiping that dust like it has value and it offends the supreme and grand nature of God. So he must answer this injustice of their idolatry. God even says in verse 25, to whom then will you compare me that I should be like him? God is telling the people that to compare him even to a person is ridiculous, let alone compare him to a man-made idol. With all of this weighing heavy on the hearts of the people of God, we find these comforting words that God gives to his people that will uphold them while they are in Babylonian captivity for 70 years. He encourages them and strengthens them with himself by telling them in verses 28 through 31, have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and to to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That is God's promise to provide strength and courage to his people if they would trust in him, depend on him, and turn to him in their despair. This is why it is so difficult for us today to depend on God in such mighty ways because there is no comparison between our sufferings and the sufferings of God's people in the Old Testament, even though their sufferings were self-induced. But we have something they don't, the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. And he enables us to trust God, depend on God, and turn to God in any and all situations so that we do not become like Judah, incurring oppression for our, for our idolatry. We oppress ourselves when we turn to things instead of the creator of things. And we are given texts like this to remind us that God alone is our refuge and our place of comfort and strength who provides himself to us for when we are most desperate. So whatever you're facing today, remember that your problem is like dust in God's hand and to him alone can we go for peace.